So I think that, you know, a, a happy runner is a fast runner and I've, I've, got a, I've got a good thing going right now. Welcome to the ShakeOut Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. The Canadian Track and Field Championships took place two weeks ago in Montreal, Quebec. I attended this year's championships in the role of color commentator for the live broadcast. Although as an athlete myself, I was disappointed to have been sidelined by injury this season, I've got to say it was a real treat being a spectator for every single event. This year's meet was billed as one of the most competitive and entertaining championships in recent history, and it totally lived up to the hype. We saw championship records go down, thrilling head-to-head rivalries, and breakthrough performances across the board. One of those breakthroughs came in the women's 800-meter final, where Canadian Running Magazine's own Madeline Kelly executed a near-perfect race to win her first national medal and top the podium. I've worked with Maddie for almost a year now, and in that time, a great friendship has developed between us. I've watched her work extremely hard at both her job and her training. She balances the two with way more poise and maturity than I ever had at 23 years old. Watching her grind and grit her way to the success that she's had this year has been inspiring to say the least. She's never made a national team, she's unsponsored, and until two weeks ago, she had never won a championship medal. But despite this, she doesn't see her story as one of overcoming. Rather, she recognizes what goes into pursuing this sport at the highest level and jumps in, feet first, ready for the challenge. She's humble but determined, and always appreciative of those who have supported her along the way. Maddie's victory came on the second last evening of competition, closing out what was a jam-packed day of action. The next day, Sunday, she and I sat down in a very hot dorm room immediately following the last event to record our conversation. We were both exhausted and emotional, and you'll hear that in our voices, especially my fast-paced dialogue at the beginning, so please bear with me. But before we get to that chat, the new Canadian 800 meter champion and I bring you all the results and action from the last two weeks. This is the rundown. We have finally been reunited in the studio after a couple weeks apart. It's been such a long time. I missed you. I missed you too. That's really kind. We well, we actually weren't apart for that long. Only a week. It was only a week. But, but we, we were, usually see each other almost every day. We do. I know. Yeah. I was going through withdrawal. Yeah. And we weren't in studio together no. for the better part of two weeks. It's been crazy. It has been crazy. Mm-hmm. And in fact, our guest this week is yours truly. Wait, does that mean it's me when I say yours truly? It's mine truly. You. I am the guest. Maddie is the guest. In case that wasn't clear, I'm the guest. (laughs) Yes, she is. And And I'm honored. I never thought I would make this show. (laughs) Never mind that you won nationals. The real treasure here is that you get to be invited on as the primary guest of the ShakeOut podcast, in addition to being the co-host of The Rundown. Yeah, it's a it's a big pod week for me. This is a big pod week for you, and rightfully so. We're going to get into all this in a couple minutes, but I have to open this episode with a very impactful statement that Maddie Kelly, sitting across from me right now, won the 2019 Canadian Track and Field Championships in the 800 meter for the first time in her life beating probably the deepest field we've ever had in that event and then went on to spoiler alert said another personal best last night being monday night in hamilton i did it and we're going to talk about that and i'm going to like actually i'm going to let you talk about that because you're the one that did it yeah well you were actually on the track too kate paced me well so this has been the really fun thing is that maddie and i have had some adventures together lately so we're able to have this awesome duo going on in studio every week with the rundown but then you raced at nationals and i got to be part of the broadcast team so Mm -hmm. i got to actually do the commentary on the live stream while you were racing Mm -hmm. and you know obviously 
your performance was superior to my broadcasting duties. However, it was really, really exciting being there for that sort of on the sidelines. And then bookend that with the fact that when you set your personal best last night, I was also there. I just keep cropping up. I just don't, I can't leave you. I just can't leave you alone. You know, maybe there's something to it because I keep doing well. So keep coming around. (laughs) All right. Call me your rabbit's foot or whatever, but I will keep showing up. I would love for this streak to not end. That sounds fantastic. (laughs) I think the whole country would, and I have no doubt that it's just going to keep going. So we're going to come back to that, but we have some pretty exciting results to bring you from those Canadian track championships. I was away in Iceland for the last week, which is why this is coming a week late. Yeah. It actually, you know, it wasn't that burr. It wasn't so bad. Although I must say the Toronto heat and humidity that we've had made it feel really burr when it was like 17 degrees. Anyway, I'm now back in the motherland, back in studio with you. Wouldn't Very we have happy. if we didn't talk about Toronto weather, so glad we already fit that yeah, in. Yeah, just snuck it in there. But we're going to go back uh, just over a week to those Canadian track and field championships that took place in Montreal, Quebec, Montreal. Mm-hmm. Very close to your hometown-ish. Well, if by close, it's not that close. It's three hours away, but oh. like Pembroke's also near nothing. So honestly, okay. it's like the closest really big city. Cool. All right. Well, you had a good fan base, which was exciting. Yeah. My people really showed up. They did. And you could hear them throughout the stands and the reverb. I think they actually caused a reverberation when my dad is so loud. So we have been talking. We had been talking about these Canadian championships for quite a while because the showdowns abounded. Mm -hmm. Many a showdown. Many a showdown. And they all delivered. You know, you and I were both saying this. I think this was the most exciting and most competitive Canadian championship across all events and all ages and all genders. And people showed up. They sure did. The the stands were packed. Yeah. For on Friday night, that's when the 100 meter final was happening. And it was wild, even in the heats. So actually, I didn't get to watch the heats because I was in the call tent. Of course. While the 100 heats were running. And there were about a trillion false starts to the point where we wondered if there was anyone left to run. Yeah. Um, but then when they finally got off the line, Aaron Brown went sub 10 for the first time. Right. Yeah. Which was insane. Which was so exciting. So he actually raced in one of the later heats. The first heat was Andre de Grasse. Yes. So the first heat had, it, it took four attempts for them to get off the line. Mm-hmm. So I'll run through this really quickly, only because it's a great story. Sam Effa mm-hmm. has been one of Canada's top sprinters for a long time, but he's been plagued by injury for the last couple of years. Sam Effa of the Amazing Race, in case anyone's yes. watching. Yeah, yeah. He and his partner, not... Not romantic partner. Yeah. Sarah Wells. It's his buddy. Yeah. He and his buddy, Sarah Wells, 400-meter hurdler for Canada, Olympian, decided that, you know, you can never have enough competitive outlets and so they've been competing on amazing race canada super fun well anyway sam effa gets set in his blocks it's the first heat of three for the men's hundred top two advance automatically out of each heat super competitive super deep lots on the line so sam gets set in his blocks and before barely barely said set and he explodes out of the blocks and right away everyone was like oh no false start Turns out it was so, so much jumping the gun that they actually didn't charge the field and allowed him to start again. At the second time of asking, there was a false start and there was a DQ. They settle in the blocks for the third time. Tensions are high. Eyes are on DeGrasse. There's already been one elimination. It's down to seven men. There is another DQ. So now there's been three false starts, two disqualifications, and finally on the fourth time of asking, they get away cleanly, everyone runs really well, and DeGrasse runs... 9.98 really fast yeah i think it was i think it was brown was 9.96 that's right yeah and um degrasse was 9.98 anyway so the fans get rewarded with not only seeing andre degrasse break 10 after this super dramatic start but then in the third heat brown also goes sub 10 and to see two sub 10 performances win legal at a canadian championships in the heats in the heats Whoa, Nelly. Whoa, Nelly. So 
Last year, the drama was that Aaron Brown won the national championships in the 100 meter. Andre DeGrasse was not present in that race. Second place was Bismarck Boateng. And there was a delay at the finish line after that race last year because it was so tight between Boateng and Brown that they had to look at the photo finish a million times. And it came down that it was a thousandth of a second separating those two for gold and silver. Well, this year, it's a showdown between Brown and DeGrasse. And again, huge drama at the finish line. It was a bigger spread, but not by much. Three one-thousandths of a second separated Aaron Brown, our eventual winner, from Andre DeGrasse, our silver medalist. Man. Boateng came in for the bronze. And they were not friendly at that finish line. Like, they were marching around, and they weren't looking at each other, and they were congratulating other people, but they wouldn't look each other in the eye. And then Aaron Brown wins, and he freaks out it was really really cool to see it was but yeah i felt like you could like cut the tension with a knife Ooh, it kind of like gave me the willies yeah it's a good way of putting it yeah super dramatic and i mean there's been all this talk that this is not degrasse's race to win um but and it wasn't and it wasn't but obviously still a stellar performance and oh, both of these men going to represent our country really well in doha in just over a month's time mm-hmm. so that was our sprint drama Onto the men's 800 meter, where the showdown was billed as Marco Arop and Brandon McBride, gold and silver last year. It was McBride for the win in a new championship record of 144.63, Arop silver, and Hassan bronze in a new U18 record of 147.69. Now, the interesting thing about the bronze medalist not supposed to be in the race. There was this whole hoopla of they should like make him race junior, but the problem is they'd already accepted his entry and allowed him to race senior, and then they wanted him disqualified from the final because he was too young, but that's ridiculous. You're and allowed- not a thing. And not a thing. You're allowed to race up. Yes. Like, U18's really young. Like, he's 17. Right. Like, he's, is that a youth? Yes. Yes, he is a youth. He's a youth. Yeah. He's not even a junior. He's a youth. So, yeah. It's kind of bananas, but whatever. He's clearly fast enough. He just came third at nationals. And not only did he come third, but with about 200 meters to go, the race has sort of been clearly set as A-Rop and McBride at this point. They've pulled away. And Abdullahi Hassan is like, uh, I don't think so, guys. Come on back because I'm not going to let you go. And so he comes up and he starts passing them. And in fact, he's ahead of A-Rop coming into the last 100 meters. And you can tell A-Rop is like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. And he thinks, oh my goodness, I won last year. Yeah. I might not even come second this year. Yeah. He, you know, gets his stuff together, pulls through, uses his experience and his super long legs to eventually surpass Hassan for the for the silver medal. But a 17-year-old won the bronze medal is what we're getting at. It was fun talking to Anthony Romanu after. He was in doping control with me and he was like, Maddie, I just got beat by a 17-year-old. And this guy's like an Olympian from 2016, a pretty seasoned runner. And uh, yeah, just watching him process the fact that he got beat by a high schooler was interesting. Yeah. Well, you know what, though? And he wasn't at this meet, but Miles Meisner Daly, another high schooler who can shake things up with the seniors and probably some, you know, pretty high level international athletes. So absolutely. Age is but a number. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's move on to some of the longer events. Oh that women's 5k yeah andrea did so much work and then she was out kicked yeah Ah, that was tough so the showdown here was between jess o'connell and andrea sakafian great nod here as well to our third entrant in this race who also had the world championship standard there were three women going in with 5,000 meter world champ standard jessica o'connell andrea sakafian and rachel cliff Mm -hmm. they finished in that order but really the cream of the crop was going to be O'Connell and Sakafian. That's really what this race was built around. Yeah. And to your point, you know, Maddie, Andrea did so much of the work. And then Jess O'Connell used her 410, 1500 speed to drop a 65 second final lap. Yeah, Jess is quick. Jess is quick. And she left it late. They were together with 50 meters to go. I know. Both of these women, super competitive, friendly, but, you know, friendly competitors and i mean probably still both going to worlds i know jess got the auto call but i imagine they'll take andrea as well so ultimately really no issue except for the fact that now that iaaf points matter that win at nationals is actually huge 
You would know. How many points do you get for you that, You get Maddie? 100 points, which, let me tell you, is four times the points I've ever received for any other run. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. So that's actually the one, um, the one aspect of winning where it really, really matters. Yeah. Yeah, a lot on the line as things continue to change criteria-wise, not only for this year, but next year. In any case, really exciting race. As I said, the depth was incredible this year across the field. Good to see these showdowns being built up by Athletics Canada. Good to see the athletes come through and perform and give the fans something to cheer about. Another showdown that was highly billed this year based on last year's results was the men's 5,000 meter. And the showdown was really this year between Mohamed Ahmed, who is our new Canadian record holder, mm-hmm. becoming the first man to ever break 13 minutes in the event a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And Justin Knight... JK. JK. So the drama was really centered around the fact that last year, Ahmed, Muhammad Ahmed has always, he always comes through when it counts. Totally. Whether it be on the national stage, the international stage, he has asserted himself as the dominant 5,000 meter runner in Canada. Mm-hmm. He, I don't think, has been beaten in the last two or three years at least by a compatriot internationally, potentially not at all. But that being said, last year, Mo Ahmed won the men's 5,000 meter by less than a second over both second and third, who were yeah. Justin Knight and Ben Flanagan. That was a tight race. It was really tight, and I think it put a bit of the fear of God in him because yeah. this year he it was still close, but he ran a little more dominantly and ended up beating Justin Knight by two seconds. They were 13.54 and 13.56, respectively. In other men's distance news, Matt Hughes for a third year in a row, was the Canadian 3,000-meter steeplechase champion with Ryan Smeaton in second. Both men have world standard. And the really, really cool thing about Matt is that he came forward right before nationals and admitted that he was leaving the Bowerman Track Club and that, truthfully, he wasn't that happy with running. Probably remains to not be totally satisfied with running. But I think that his message was so important. I don't think people talk often enough about, you know, not enjoying themselves and maybe not seeing running this thing that they once loved as something that they love anymore. And I just thought it was really, really cool of him to be so open and clear about that. And also, you know, to still have a really strong performance at nationals after what was probably a very emotional few weeks. Yeah, for sure. So he'll be moving back to Toronto for the foreseeable future, at least basing here in Toronto and training elsewhere for training camps and things like that. But again, as you say, Maddie, kudos to him for taking a bit of a risk and moving away from what has been familiar for a number of years and saying, this isn't what I want right now. And what's produced some of the world's best athletes. Yeah. But, you know, a wise woman, I believe, also named Madeline Kelly, once said that a happy runner is a strong runner. Yeah. Or a successful runner, or whatever you said. It's all true. She's paraphrasing. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing Maddie Kelly. (laughs) But um, good for Matt. Okay. All right. We've gotten through all the other excitement. Let's get to what we really want to talk about here. Hit me. Well, Maddie, just over a week ago. Mm Mm-hmm. You showed up on a start line in Montreal, mm-hmm. and you said to yourself, hmm, I think I could win a medal at this thing. Mm-hmm. And then you did. I did. And it was just not the color you expected. Yeah, no, it was really different. It was actually a color I barely dared to dream of. Well, folks, stay tuned to the rest of this episode, because Maddie and I get real deep and uh, real emotional. I cry for sure. Real honest about her experience. I interviewed her. I was very overtired and raw. Yes. During this interview. (laughs) For a few reasons. Yeah. So stay tuned for my interview with Maddie where we talk about her performance beating the great Melissa Bishop, beating, again, probably the most competitive 800-meter field in Canada that we've seen in my lifetime. We had five 202 performances come out of that final. Yeah. We had Laurence Cote come third. Mm -hmm. She had to PB just to make the final. Yeah. She comes through for the bronze medal. Mm -hmm. Lindsay Butterworth ran super well. Mm -hmm. Melissa Bishop ran super well. Mm -hmm. No, it was a a strong race. Canadian Canadian women's running right now just in general is insane. You know, we've had 12... 
Canadian women's record set in 2019 alone, and we're not even, you know, three quarters of the way through the year. So it's 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 a really, really exciting time to be a runner in Canada, and in particularly a female runner in Canada. So we've talked about this, you and I, Maddie, but there's so many reasons why we think we've seen this sort of advance in women's running and in Canadian running in general, obviously having heroes like Melissa Bishop do so well for so long on the international stage. When anytime we have a hero like that, someone with a hero status, it really draws attention to the sport. It draws money to the sport. It draws support and it allows for other young women to dream that they could one day do what she's doing. Mm -hmm. One of the other things, though, is that there's been seemingly an increased um, effort in Canada to create opportunities for our runners where they don't have to fly across the world to get on a start line with a bunch of other Canadians. Mm -hmm. Case in point, there was a fantastic meet in Hamilton, Ontario last night where, well, why don't you tell us what happened? There were four of us who ran 201, and then I think another was it three more who went under 203 and we did this at a twilight meet in hamilton you know kudos to pete and paula of the mcmaster marauders for putting on a fantastic uh program but it's a great track it's a super underrated facility you know the weather was perfect it's rarely windy there and you know, instead of a bunch of Canadian coaches got together and they said we could all pay thousands of dollars and go to Europe and race each other, you know, in whatever Belgian city we find, or we could go to Hamilton and it could be way cheaper and way easier and um, easier financially, easier emotionally. At this point, we've all been on the road a lot. So it's mm-hmm. really nice to not have to get on an airplane again. And that's exactly what we did. And it worked out perfectly. Well, five of the eight finalists from the Canadian National Championship Championships were on that line last night. Yeah. I believe more than half the field ran personal bests. And again, these are women who have already been running 201s and 202s this year. Mm-hmm. These are not, you know, and no disrespect to them, but junior breakthrough performances. These are women who are internationally competitive already and they're setting lifetime bests. And we paid $17 to register through Tracky. And there were like a bunch of parents in the stands, maybe, maybe what, 60 people there cheering. It was not a glamorous experience, but it gets the job done. Exactly. And these are the times we need to get us on those big start lines that we need for next year. Totally. And again, Maddie ran the better part of three quarters of a second personal best running 20127 just getting yourself that much closer to that 201 barrier. And you were so strong. That's the strongest I've seen you look. Thank you, Kate. I appreciate it. I also got a little taste of what it is like to be an 800-meter runner. Yeah, I led... went up, Kate went out fast. So I was tasked with pacing this field, maybe the most nervous I've ever been on a start line. Um, and I was asked to go through in a 58-second 400. I made it to 380 meters um, and pulled off because the field was going almost a full second faster than what they asked of me. So I said, you know what, girls? You enjoy, (laughs) but it was fun to be there to watch. Yes. (laughs) So lots of excitement from the track. We'll keep you posted as the Pan Am Games progress, which are happening right now in Lima, Peru. Yes, this evening we have both Natasha Wodak and Rachel Cliff racing, and we will bring you all those results in the coming days. Just a quick update here. Natasha Wodak and Rachel Cliff went on to win the first medals for Canada at the 2019 Pan Am Games in the 10,000 meter. Wodak set a new championship record, running 31.55. Cliff, the Canadian marathon record holder, is coming off a Canadian national 5,000-meter bronze medal and also won a bronze in that Pan Am 10,000. Action continues as we speak, so stay tuned for all the results. Moving on to the roads, not a whole lot of road racing happening at the moment, particularly in Canada, as you would expect. It's hot, it's humid. However, we have had some really exciting announcements as we look forward to the fall road racing season. Um, The newest of which is that Sasha Golish was confirmed at the 2019 New York City Marathon. As of right now, she's the only confirmed Canadian elite racing, and this will be a really big crack for her at a fast time and a good performance because she's struggled a little bit so far at the marathon distance, but we know that she's fully capable of running something extraordinary and we'll be really excited to watch her totally 
And we also, on the men's side, have Rob Watson, Reed Coolset, and Dylan Wakes all confirmed, along with Cam Levins, for the 2019 Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon, which doubles as the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Trials. We're all very excited here at the Canadian Running Offices because it doesn't affect any of us, and it'll be a blast to watch. (laughs) Sometimes it is fun to just stand on the sidelines and cheer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So while Rob Watson isn't really looking for a berth on the team, the other ones are. Absolutely. They've all been there before. They've all been there before. So it'll be so exciting to watch. It kind of feels like an old school showdown. Not that I'm looking to age you guys, but... Well, we've talked about the ageless wonders. Yeah, this is like a real OG Canadian marathon crew. It truly is. I mean, the Dylan Wikes-Reed Coolset rivalry goes back to the 2012 Olympics. Yeah. And Rob Watson's been around that whole time. two Olympics ago. It was. I know. It was like almost eight years ago. Crazy. And now Dylan and Rob are going to be like running with all these people they coach. I don't know. It'll be kind of fun. Yeah, it will be. Lots to look forward to. Not kind of fun. It'll be really fun. (laughs) It'll be. We'll be there for all the action. And onto the trails. Canadian Death Race. A real good title for a running event. You know what, though? I love stuff like this because we're going to talk about two races, the Canadian Death Race and the Meet the Minotaur. And both of these, I feel like Trail just totally calls it what it is. They don't try to sugarcoat it. They don't try to make it sound fluffy and pretty. They're just like, this is going to hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it going to hurt really badly for a really long time. Yeah. So be prepared. We're not trying to give you any false information. There's no pretense here. It is what it is. Which is why I'm intrigued. <laughs> Many, many careers ahead many, of you, Many, many careers <laughs> later. So in Alberta, there were three races this weekend at the Canadian Death Race. There was a relay, a marathon, and a solo 125K. The wettest running of this event in its 20-year history, it was insanely stormy and muddy. Elizabeth Holleran and Alex Petrovsky won the solo races. Scott Cooper is only a month out of breaking the Sinister 7 course record in what was his first ever 100-miler, and he still managed a spot on the podium finishing third. Alicia Woodside was a close second behind Holleran for most of the race, but went off course, costing her approximately 25 minutes. Real big bummer, but a common issue in trail racing. Yeah, totally. So she ended up finishing fifth, And she had a positive attitude about it. She just said, you know what? This is one of the perils of trail racing. Again, I know what I get myself into when I sign up. This is not, you know, again, a fluffy, easy, everything marked with officials every 200 meters. You got to figure it out. And sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. And she still finished really well. So kudos to all of our competitors at the Canadian Death Race in Grand Cache, Alberta, Another exciting event in Alberta, a little bit newer. It was only the third running of it, an event called Meet the Minotaur. So this is a very rugged mountain race in Crow's Nest Pass, Alberta. And the course changes every year, hence the name Minotaur, which is a mythical creature who lived in this like extensive labyrinth. So the idea is like you never know where you're going to be going. I have a question. Yes. Sorry to ruin your train of thought. Did you have to Google that or did you know that off the top of your head? What a Minotaur was? Yeah. I knew that it was half man, half bull. I did not know that it lived in a labyrinth. That came from a Google search. Okay. So part of this was was newly acquired knowledge. It was. Okay. Thank Correct. God. I was feeling really <laughs> inferior about my... Uh, depth of reference. The only reason I even knew it was half bull, half man is because freshman year of university, I took a Greek mythology course. And that is one of the things that stuck because I thought it was such a badass animal. I took Land of the Pharaohs, which has actually served me well on multiple occasions. Sometimes that random knowledge just really like gets you through, especially at cocktail parties, of which I've attended many. Yeah, when you feel like a hero at trivia night, because I'm 80. I... Pull out these random nuggets. Follow in. So the runners are not given a specific location of the route until race day. Um, Sort of reminiscent of... Barkley Marathons. Of the Barkley Marathons. Anyway, it sounds like an incredibly awesome and terrifying race. Bushwhacking is involved. You're Mm -hmm. basically clearing your own course for a lot of it. Huge elevation gain and descent. So there's two distances 
One is 19.7K with a 2,250-meter elevation gain. And the other, I really like this name, it's the Minitar. Oh, cute. <laughs> yeah. And that's really cute. Almost half the I'm distance. I'm picturing baby Minotaurs. I know. And I think that's kind of what they were getting at. Now, this is a beast of a baby, though, because it's 13.3 kilometers with 1,100 meters of elevation gain. So there were some really exciting results on the women's side. Ariel Fitzgerald was first in the Minitar... And she was 30 minutes, so she won outright. Mm-hmm. She was 30 minutes ahead of the first man and an hour and a half ahead of the next woman. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so she Kudos. killed it. And then Joanna Ford was the woman's winner for the full distance. And both of these women just set an FKT at the Livingstone Ridge Traverse last week. And they did it together. And then they came to the Minotaur and they split up into different distances and they dominated both. So well done, ladies. Got it, girls. So as I mentioned, stay tuned, folks, because following this is my exclusive interview with Maddie Kelly following her 800 meter victory last week. Still so excited. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I apologize in advance for the waterworks. It's all good. They were very real and we both did them. Yeah, true. So for the week of August 6th, this has been your rundown. I'm Maddie. I'm sorry. You're who? I'm uh, Madeline Kelly, 800 meter national champion. And I'm Kate Van Buskirk, and we'll chat with you soon. by Maddie Kelly, just edging out the four-time national champion, Bishop Nuriagu. 202-37 for Kelly. And Kelly cannot believe it. She has run a personal best every time she stepped on the track this year. She just can't believe what just happened. So I feel like I often start the rundown by saying, Madeline Kelly. (laughs) Madeline Kelly. Except this time, I get to say Madeline Kelly, national champion. It's true, I won. (laughs) So we're sitting here in a really hot dorm room in Montreal, right beside the Clodero Yard Center, where last night, Miss Madeline Kelly ran what I would assume is the race of your life in order to, let's see, win a national championship for the first time ever. Is this your first national medal? Yes, Okay, so you just like bypassed the silver and the bronze. That's cool. You're the national champion. You beat Melissa Bishop, who, in case people aren't aware, is not only the multiple-time Canadian record holder, also the world championship silver medalist, and came fourth in a little thing called the Rio Olympics. How you feeling, Maddie Kelly? In this exact moment, uh, hungover, but uh, generally uh, extremely happy. And it's... I mean, like, I'm happy, but it also, it still hasn't totally sunk in. It might, like, in the next few days. Let's, let's, let's back it up. You came into this weekend having run a personal best pretty much every time you stepped on the track this year. But you also came in with a terrible head cold. Um, we were texting the week leading up to your race, and you were pretty terrified about how crappy you felt. Walk us through what was going through your head going into the heats, and then we'll get to the final. Okay. Um, the heats were significantly more nerve-wracking than the final, which I think they often are because, like, for me, I almost felt like I had more to lose in the heats, you know? Like, if I didn't make the final, I was going to be, like, this weird combination of, like, embarrassed and sad and disappointed. And um, I figured that, like... I knew my legs felt good enough that I that the cold shouldn't be an issue and I should be able to get through to the final. And then once I was in the final, it was just kind of like a, you know, just go for it and see what happens because I felt like there was nothing for me to lose in this final. So I've been in that situation before and I know a lot of athletes feel that way, particularly if you're not a favorite for a medal. There's a lot more pressure when you're a favorite. It's kind of like the final for favorites is like how you felt for the heats. It would be embarrassing if you don't medal, if you go in, you know, rank number one. 
But once you get to that final, yeah, you have nothing to lose. There's very little pressure. And sometimes that's actually what allows athletes to draw the best out of themselves. So you felt pretty crappy going into the heats. You got through those very comfortably. In fact, it was a showdown between you and Melissa Bishop in the heats as well. And on paper, I would say you were probably in the most competitive heat. So how, walk us through the heat. Let's start with that. Well, Olivia took, Olivia Romanu took it out really strong and she is just coming off of a massive PB at AOs. So she wanted to make the heat honest because the first heat went really quickly. We were heat number two. So for her to make it through, we were going to have to run fast because in her mind, she didn't think that she would beat Melissa and I, but she thought she could get through on time. So she took it out and I had no interest in leading. So that was fine by me. And then I just sat on Melissa and I just did everything she did. It worked, it worked out well. We went, we went one, two, and then I was, I was through on, uh, automatically and I didn't have to look at the clock anxiously which I love so the reference there is that the way you qualify for finals at a national championship in the 800 it depends on how many heats there are but in this case there were three heats there are eight people who make the final so that means the top two in each heat advance automatically and then there's two spots left for the next two fastest times compiled out of those sections so obviously it's advantageous to be through as one of the automatic qualifiers are you, are you good friends with Melissa? Like, is there any sort of, obviously she is so accomplished on the world scene. She's one of the most dominant athletes Canada has ever seen in track and field. Is there an intimidation factor racing her? I know you're friendly, but do you know her well? Or is there any kind of conversation that goes on in the, in the chat, in the call room or beforehand? How does it feel going into a heat with Melissa? She's so friendly and welcoming. So she actually is like kind of the one who like spurs the conversation in the call room. Like she's chatting. She was, I was so nervous before the final. And then she asked us all if we knew this country dance. I don't know. I was, I was actually wanted to look it up cause I had no clue what she was talking about, but um, yeah, no, she's, she's so welcoming and friendly. So I wouldn't say we're, we're good friends by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I, she's obviously someone I look up to and she's, you know, someone who's always so friendly and, and welcoming at the track. So you make it through the rounds. You looked fantastic, by the way. You and you and Melissa had a pretty decent... It was pretty clear that you two were through. It wasn't like it came down to the wire and you had to wait for the results to populate or anything. It was, it was very, obviously, very obvious that you were both through um, automatically. So then the final comes around. You must have had some confidence coming out of those heats because you ran so strongly. I know that you know what you're capable of and you know that you were ready for a big performance but again coming in sick coming in a little bit untested this year at this kind of level it must have been a relief getting through those heats did you have a little more confidence going into the final because of that um I don't know if the heats gave me like the heats felt all right truthfully I was kind of tight in like the last 30 meters but uh I I just felt really calm yesterday I didn't feel that anxious which is like weird for me. And then obviously, like, you know, you're in the call room, you're waiting around. At that point, I got pretty stressed out. But during the day, I was like, I was pretty fine. I watched Real Housewives, went shopping with my sisters, tried to take a nap, was unsuccessful. Uh, my, my race day hairdo worked way better than it usually does, you know, so that's good for the mojo. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was a pretty, it was a pretty perfect, pretty perfect day. So I can attest to that. We'll put up a picture on the website, but your hairstyle was on fleek, as the kids say. And you had all these great distraction techniques. All right. So you and coach Terry Richenko, you guys have a pretty good thing going this season. He obviously is a person who can advise you very, very well around race tactics. Tell us what the plan was going into this final. What was the goal and how are you going to achieve it? I was told to, I was in lane eight. So running blind around that first corner. Um, so I was told to get out hard and put myself in third and then, you know, hang on. And I got out hard and I put myself in third and I didn't actually realize, but I was like swallowed. Like I had no idea I was basically in last with 150 to go, but I thought I was still in it, but I just ran, I ran on the rail the entire time and Maytay Bouchard was right in front of me. She's a really really great racer and anytime I thought about moving out and passing her she pressed forward a little bit so I didn't ever actually have to because like the pace did never slow to a point where I thought that I had to get out of where I was until about 100 meters to go when I had the space to do it so in the 800 you kind of have like 
one bullet. Like you've got one big move. And if you time it poorly, it's over. And I was just really lucky that I got to ride the rail the entire time. And my one big move was in the last stretch and it, it worked out. Yeah, it worked out. <laughs> You're so humble. I love that you say that you got lucky because you rode the rail. I mean, you put yourself in the perfect position. You were so patient. And that's one of the hardest things to do in a mid-distance race when you're on that inside rail because you can get boxed in real fast and there's nothing you can do about it. You and I are similar. We're tall athletes. We take up some room on the track. It's really hard to like muscle our way out. You timed that one bullet perfectly. And what was it? 30 meters to go where you started actually kind of making your way in. It's Melissa Bishop, Laurence Cote, and Lindsay Butterworth. And of course, Melissa Bishop and Lindsay Butterworth were the two favorites coming in. Laurence was a little bit of a surprise, but a great performance by her. And Maddie, you found this opening that seemed to not exist until you needed it. And then it was there. What was going through your head at that point? Um, I think I used to be I know I wasn't patient in races. I used to put myself in the back of races because I was nervous. And so if I like made myself vulnerable and I put myself in the front and then I failed, that was more embarrassing and hurt on my ego than putting myself in last and, you know, being able to say like, oh, I got boxed. Like I, you know, even all through high school and even, you know, the first like three years of university for sure, I was a, I was a kicker. Like I was never going to be involved in that race until 200 meters to go. And I think the difference yesterday is that I actually ended up doing kind of a similar thing that I used to do when I was like a teenager, but this time I had a plan and this wasn't me being, being scared. It was me being patient. That was the big difference there. And then that, it's a Nick Willis line, actually. And he says something always opens up. So truthfully, I've never actually met Nick Willis, but he he, he really came through big for me yesterday without actually knowing it. When that hole opened up, was a gold medal on your mind? Did I, Everything happened so quickly. It's in the, you made your move in the space of probably less than two seconds. Less than two seconds is what it took for you to go from not having a medal to winning the national championships for the first time ever. But I know from experience that a heck of a lot can go through your head in the space of two seconds. At that point, so you came in, you disclosed to me earlier that your goal was to get a medal. You did not think it was going to be gold. You thought it was probably going to be bronze. Let's call a spade a spade. You came in on paper pretty far behind the top two favorites of Melissa Bishop and Lindsay Butterworth. Was there... A second before you cross the line where you said, holy shit, I'm going to win a Canadian gold medal. No, because even if you like if you like see my face when I cross, I still don't know if I did it. Like until they put that time on the board, I was pretty sure I was ahead of Melissa, but I wasn't positive. And then actually, if you like look at the video, like Laurence is right there, too. She was just she was she was so far on the other side of the track that she was out of my peripheral vision. So when I came outside, I passed my Tay and then I'm looking at those three ahead of me and I knew I was moving well cause like I was catching them. And then that hole opened up and honestly I thought shit that's tight. And I didn't <laughs> know if I would fit. And then I did thank God. Cause like, ugh. my boyfriend said to me after he was like, that was incredible you can't do that again. He was like, that is just such a touchy way to race. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I fit. And then honestly, I, I crossed the line and I thought I'd done it, but there was no certainty until I saw the time. We'll post a picture of this too, but the look on your face and the camera stayed on you for quite a while. And this for me was one of the real joys of being in the announcer's booth, the race that I had the, again, great privilege of being able to call, um, and could hardly contain my excitement. But there are these couple moments where you're just like jaw to the floor, hands on the side of your head. Did I just do that? You must have known in the back of your mind somewhere this season, that you were capable of this. I know it's hard to allow yourself to dare to believe that you could actually achieve it, but you've ran personal best almost every time you stepped on the track. This is the other thing everyone said to me, oh, a surprise victory by Maddie Kelly. And those of us who know you and have tracked your season, this was not a surprise. Of course, nothing is given. It's not as if 
a whole lot of people would have pegged you for a favorite for a medal or for the gold medal rather. But this, you've been trending in this direction for a long time. You have run dominant performances. Your PB of 201.90 was set on your home track of the University of Toronto in what was essentially a solo race with a rabbit out front. Was there a moment coming into this meet where you thought, maybe, maybe me, maybe gold, why not? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've dreamed it. I've dreamed, like, before I actually ran that race yesterday, I probably had run it, like, 800 times in my brain. But I think the biggest thing was that I've learned that I'm kind of a weird runner because I just need to do things a little differently for me to feel good going into a meet. Like, I didn't get to Montreal until 3 p.m. on Friday because I was at home with my family. That's, like, a three-hour drive, which actually turned into a four-hour drive, which I know is, like, a lot of people's nightmare to be in a car that long before you race. But, like, I got to be with my family and my boyfriend and then, you know, just show up just in time to, like, change and get to the track. I don't really like the track environment, so I don't do that anymore. And, like, even my coach and I talking before the race, we don't say much, you know? It's a quick refresher of the race plan. He usually asks me if I need a snack because I'm always hungry, and then, you know, I move on. And so it's nice to just have had a lot of years of trial and error to know now what works for me. So you talked about doing things a little differently for yourself Obviously, some of that just comes with experience and maturity. A lot of athletes do what they think they're supposed to do or they follow what someone else tells them to do. You've been through the university system. You were a very successful U-sport athlete. You're now still training with that same group, but you're a post-collegiate. You've completely elevated your game. So a lot of athletes get asked sort of what is their key to success? And it could be, oh, I have this, you know, incredible trainer who has trained the best in the world, or, you know, it's, it's my coach's training plan. It's what we've been doing on the track day in, day out. It's how hard I've worked. It's my commitment. It's my drive. What's been the main factor that's changed things for you this year to allow you to have, to allow this level of success to flow out of you? Okay. Um, yeah. The biggest thing for me this year is I've just been really happy. Like I've been, I've just, I've had a great year. I've been, you know, none of this happens in a vacuum and I've been so well supported by um, so many people. And, uh, and I just, am, I'm really, I'm really thankful for this sort of like funny hodgepodge group <laughs> that I've got. And uh, we, you know, we all really care about each other and we all get along and we've been doing this together for a long time. You know, like I've been training with Lucia Stafford since she was 14. Um, I've been training with Liz Whalen now for three years, but Liz was actually a JD with Terry at U of T. So they have like nine years of history or something like that. I've known Terry since I met Terry first when I was 16. He started training me before I even finished high school. And, you know, my, my family, they've been around a while. They're great. And, uh, you know, I've got a great relationship and my friends are so supportive. And there's just there's a lot of things that have really come together. So I think that, you know, a, a happy runner is a fast runner. And I've, I've got a I've got a good thing going right now. You just talked about the amount of support you've had in terms of the people that really care about you and have been there for you throughout the entire journey of your development. However, you are not a carded athlete, meaning you're not, you're not receiving government funding to do what you're doing. You work full time, obviously with our amazing organization, Canadian running. You are an unsponsored athlete. You aren't, you know, on a huge sponsorship roster the way a lot of top level professionals are, and you've never made a national team. What is this result going to do for you, do you think? What does this mean for you in terms of it being the, the sort of launching pad for this next phase of your career, which is sure to be, uh, you know, a huge international success? Well, it's confidence number one in running ability. But that's almost kind of, that's almost kind of secondary because I think it's more just confidence and uh, confidence in myself beyond beyond the track that I I can do this. I've been able to kind of, you know, pretty quickly fashion together this equation where things work and I've been able to do it without without a lot of 
conventional support for athletes. So it'll be cool if I get that more conventional support because that'll, you know, leave a little more wiggle room. You know, you can have maybe a few more opportunities. But it just, it does, there is something special about it to, again, have done this with this really uh, close, tight-knit, sort of original group of people who I've been with for a really long time and um you know if I can do this with all of them then hopefully when you know maybe when I get a little bit more support it'll just be it'll be exciting to see what opportunities that brings two last quick questions on the note of future opportunities what does the rest of your season look like now and I should mention here listeners that the way that you qualify for the world championships in Doha, Qatar, is that you win the national championships and you run the world standard. And if you do both of those things, you are guaranteed as a Team Canada athlete to go to Doha. Maddie has accomplished one of those. You've won the national championships. You are about a second outside of the world championship standard. And you and I have chatted all season. You sort of said, well, after nationals, I might run a few races and I'll probably shut things down. You've had a long season. How does this change what the rest of your summer and fall might look like? It doesn't change it that much. Cause like, I'm still going to run the two races I planned on running, um, potentially a third, but I think the biggest thing for me is I don't like to run too flat would mean I would have to PB by a second. And I think that's completely possible. I also think it takes a special race to be able to do that. I'm not doing that by myself. I'm doing that with the help of at least a couple other very strong runners. So I'm going to try my best to make that happen. But if it doesn't, I'm not going to beat myself up too much about it because it's been for sure the best season of my life and I'm healthy and I don't feel burnt out. And I would love to just end this season feeling really positive about running to, you know, carry that into next year. Very last question. How does it feel to be on the cover of the Globe and Mail and the Toronto Star today? Um, I didn't actually know until someone sent me some pictures, but it's pretty, it's pretty great. This is all crazy because it's not, it's not that it's not that big a deal, but it's just like, it's, I'm not used to people paying attention. (laughs) I don't know how else to say that. I'm not used to people paying attention. So yesterday was so fantastic, but I feel lucky that I act, I really like running. So yesterday was like a huge personal victory and a huge victory for, you know, like the people around me who have helped me. And that's cool, but it's not really, it's not about being on, you know, the cover of a newspaper or sorry, the front page of a newspaper. It's like, it's more about, you know, get the getting there. Big thanks, as always, to my friend, colleague, and training partner, Maddie Kelly, and congratulations again on your amazing victory. Thank you all for tuning in. If you're interested in following us, you can do so on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ShakeOut Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll chat with you again next week.